office in Tainos. Well, you know, we have had the uh, State Capture um, Commission inquiry continuing, begging for money so it continues its work because it turns out that it's it's kind of like uh, broken through into an extremely rich patch of, of, of corruption and that uh, there doesn't seem to be any bottom. In fact, one kind of like gets the feeling that the ANC is... Um, is uh, digging away at that bottom, and uh, that that uh, well, it's a it's a pool that continues getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't think that um, as long as South Africans continue paying taxes, that uh, Chief Justice Zondo Raymond Zondo is ever going to get to the bottom of that particular pool. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's 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 like you know when you feel you've reached the bottom of the barrel and then you start digging. Um, and that's the kind of feeling you get out of the uh, out of the um, the state capture commission. It doesn't seem as though the state capture commission is ever going to be able to um, issue a final report because uh, there's always going to be more corruption to try and uh, unearth. Yeah, so uh, you know we we were waiting patiently last year for something to happen. And, uh, well, I guess this year we're no longer waiting. I mean, in fact, I think most people are in actual fact losing interest in what uh, is happening uh, at the Zondo Commission. And people are, I think people are just starting to get used to the idea that we don't have a government, we have a gangster, we have a gang. We've got a gang. We've got a gang of completely amoral thieves. One, would, one feels they would sell their own mother. I wonder, would Kosazana Lamini Zuma sell her own mother? Hey, I wonder, I wonder. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Can't do anything about corruption because then you have to get rid of all of his comrades. And his comrades are just waiting for him to get rid of, try and get rid of corruption. I'm going to get rid of him. Which means that as long as you're going to be paying taxes, you're basically handing money over to people to be stolen. That's what it means. Well, anyway, yes, it 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 is it is uh, a rather cold time to be a South African. We can feel the uh, cold embrace of winter, and uh, just on the edges of its fingernails, we can feel the cold embrace of COVID nineteen. Yeah, South Africa continuing to register cases at uh, an extremely. Uh, Large rate, 13,000 a day almost. Almost everyone being tested nowadays is coming up positive. I wonder if we reached a herd immunity, you know, saturation point. Um, in which case, there'd be no need to hold a lockdown anymore, but try and explain that to the government. Gold, gold hitting $1,933 this morning. How about that? Highest price of gold ever. And uh, now the gold bulls are saying that it's probably going to break through 2000 very soon. And Bank of America is in actual fact saying it's going to break through 3000 very soon. Problem with buying gold, however, are the security and holding costs. Uh, but a very low interest rates on gold. So, um, and the thing about, uh, you know, when value starts disappearing everywhere, you want to try and hold onto it where you can. And gold is traditionally turned out to be pretty good at that. Uh, so uh, as um, the stagnating economies continue, continue throwing more and more paper money at their problems, and the rest of the world considers exchanging our real money for their the counterfeit money is the only way to describe it. 
you know, the reluctance is starting to set in, that uh, the weight of disbelief is becoming insurmountable and unsupportable and it's going to come crashing down on our heads uh, sooner rather than later, one feels. Gold. Okay, well, we'll be having a look at gold a little bit later today. Well, schools and taxis, aren't they telling a rather dismal story, especially when it comes to lockdown? Government. Government has shut down schools to try and prevent the spread of coronavirus, but it is allowing taxis to travel at 100% capacity as long as they keep windows open five centimeters. Oh, boy. I've spoken about this before on the show. Anyone who's traveled in a minibus taxi on um, on a regular basis knows uh, that in minibus taxis, you don't travel with the windows open. No, 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 I'm sorry. You don't travel with the windows open. Because you see, a lot of the people traveling in minibus taxis are struggling a little bit for food. You know, I say many times in the show that the uh, human idea that has moved more history than any other, more than liberty, equality, democracy, justice, and all of that, the one human idea that has moved more history than any other is the idea that there is no food at home. And that is idea that is uppermost in many people's heads as they travel by minibus nowadays. Fortunately enough to be able to travel by minibus, many people simply can't afford the fare. Yeah, well, anyway, anyone who's traveling minibus on a regular basis knows you don't travel with the windows open because the people, many people are struggling for food. Uh, struggling for nourishment, many people are under, uh, slightly undernourished or severely undernourished in minibus taxis. Some of them are really well fed, of course, too. Sure, fine. But, you know, there's a, there, there's a good mix in any minibus taxi you get into. And uh, people who, uh, who um, are slightly undernourished are also susceptible to catching a cold, getting the, catching the flu, you know, getting a coronavirus. You know, your, your immune system is not at its best. You travel in a minibus and some idiot in front of you opens the window because he had to run to catch the taxi. And suddenly you've got an icy cold draft blowing over you and you have to keep that draft blowing over you for a good half hour, 45 minutes. By the time you get out of the taxi, you are sick as a dog. It's almost that fast. It's almost that quick. So if you're in a minibus taxi, it has always been the tradition that you travel with the windows closed, no matter how hot it is. Only every now and then, you know, do you get a little gogo who reach over and open a window just a tiny fraction. So, uh, yes, uh, I don't know, maybe Fakilum Balula hasn't traveled by minibus taxi uh, for a long time. I mean, how long has he been in cabinet now? Since about, uh, what, he's been in cabinet now? About 10 years. I guess maybe that's long enough to forget what it's like to be down on the street. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, most people who travel minibus taxis know that this is like one of the one of the unspoken golden rules. You don't open the windows, especially on a hot day, because people are going to get sick. Uh, like I, I've, I've caught a, a cold from somewhere. However, I don't have a I don't have a temperature or anything, so you know the hopes of like uh, spending a few weeks at home. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. I'm not going to be able to take time off. I have no temperature whatsoever. This is a purely um, uh, uh, a sinus a sinus infection. <laughs> <laughs> 
excuse-moi, uh, private schools uh, finish their year. Uh, private schools will finish their year. And public schools will not. This is a lockdown double whammy. It's a lockdown double whammy. Um, government is trying to impose conditions on the country that uh, the government is unable to implement itself. We must all stay at home. And go, you know, we're in charge of our homes. Government is in charge of the schools. Now, we can't uh, reopen the schools because government is un- incapable of implementing, uh, you know, standard operating procedures and so on, or enforcing them, or uh, or following up on them, or making sure that the consequences aren't too drastic. Government is unable to implement its own lockdown measures. That's what it says. Taxis uh, traveling at 100% occupancy rate means that, in actual fact, we don't have a lockdown. You know, South Africa is turning into the land of pretend, the land of never-never. Maybe maybe we should try and elect Peter Pan to be the president, the next president. Because, you see, uh, excuse me, you've got people pretending to be journalists, people pretending to be policemen, people pretending to be presidents. So why why should it be that strange if the, suddenly the whole country is just pretending to be in lockdown? You know, because uh, a lockdown, you're either locked down or you're not. You know, it's supposed to be scientifically rigorous and so on. But there's no lockdown if people are traveling 100% capacity in minibus taxis. We said at the beginning of the lockdown, uh, minibus taxis are going to have to be restricted if they're not restricted. Uh, then there's not going to be any lockdown. Uh, and if they are going to be restricted, government is going to have to subsidize the minibus taxis. Otherwise, the minibus taxis simply can't run. You know, eventually you're going to run out of money and you can't buy the petrol to run the taxi. It's that simple. Unless, of course, now government's going to pass a law that the minibus taxis have to push their, 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 their taxis into Joburg. I think there may be some not inconsiderable support for such an idea. Um, given uh, that most motorists are accustomed in South Africa to be overtaken by minibus taxis who don't stop at stop streets, who don't stop at robots, uh, who don't wait in line, you know, maybe maybe they should pass a law just for a week or so, you know, that minibus taxi drivers have to get their loads into the city by hook or by crook or they face jail time. And then all the minibus taxi drivers can go and push their minibuses into the town. But you know, that's a ridiculous, it's a, it's a ridiculous um, suggestion, and it's not going to be implemented. We know, we know that. Yes, yes, we know. We know it's not going to be implemented. It's a ridiculous idea. But it does illustrate to you the impossibility, you know. Are you going to have lockdown or are you not going to have lockdown? Uh, so, you know, South Africans, uh, they don't like their play being interrupted. Particularly, you know, when uh, when it's a, it's a great gateway to rape, you know, and murder, you know, the favourite South African pastimes. Eighty-five percent of all rapes and murders happen on weekends when people are drunk. Eighty-five percent all linked linked to uh, alcohol consumption. Here, the government is getting the whole country not to drink alcohol, but at the same time, we're not in actual fact in a lockdown. Now we're, we're 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 you know everyone's pretending everyone's pretending we're pretending to have a lockdown we pretend we've got a president we pretend we've got a cooperative governance minister 
you know, one of the most uncooperative people in the world. He's our supposed cooperative governance minister. So we know that because Zanad Lamini Zuma is also only pretending. Everyone knows that Cyril's only pretending. Look what happened when they put him in charge of the turnaround, the presidential turnaround team at SAA. Well, it turned out he was only pretending there. They put him in charge of the presidential task team to turn around ESCOM. Turned out he was also only pretending there. Now we made him the president, and he's still only pretending. So now the whole country's decided, well, we're also just going to pretend. You know, everyone's getting like really uh, snazzy face masks on and so on. And in the meantime, the, 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 the COVID continues spreading. In the meantime, we continue to have an extremely low death rate, alhamdulillah. Well, we've got to go for a quick commercial message, inshallah. WhatsApp us on 084-786-3132. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Twelve minutes past four is the beautiful time on a lovely Monday afternoon. Hope the life is treating you well. Um, and that Allah Ta'ala is protecting you and your loved ones from COVID. And um, if you you do have loved ones with COVID, may Allah Taala, may Allah Taala bless bless you with afia and um, and cure. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, protect us from the evils of this coronavirus and grant us increase in the good. Many people have lost lost loved ones uh, as a result of this coronavirus. We've lost some of our leading ulama to this coronavirus. Has made us pull together as family. I get a feeling of a lot more closeness nowadays. You know, uh, that's what hard times do. You know, it's uh, it's sad. You know, but uh, the best times don't bring out the best in us. It's the hard times that bring out the best in us. You know, this is the time when the um, when the olives are put into the press. This is the time when the pure oil is extracted. This is the time uh, when the chaff is discarded. This is the time of Al-Furqan. This is the... Huh? Is this uh, a determinant in some way of right and wrong? How are we all going to respond to this whole thing? And what is the correct response? Is there only one correct response? Well, you know, I'm grateful, well, grateful we are that we live in the land of pretend. Because, you know, even if our answers uh, don't make any sense, we can always pretend that they do. And uh, Mr. Pretender President, uh, Sir Ramaphosa, well, he's holding a lot more fantasy speeches and uh, n- newsletters he's sharing with the, with the country nowadays. And he's uh, saying that, um, yeah, no, uh, you know, um, that the country's uh, economic recovery uh, has to start, and it has to start now. We need to work together to make it happen. You know, that sounds really good, doesn't it? That sounds like a president. That's the kind of thing a president says. But you see, uh, if you read a lot of uh, uh, Sir Ramaphosa's speeches and literature, you, 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 you find a tendency, a tendency to say, we will. We will. That also sounds like a man who's confident, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's always referring to the future. You see, we need to start. You know, the president is always saying, 
we need to start, you know, he says, right, okay, we know that we've, you know, people have lost their jobs all over the country. Uh, people's businesses have shut down. And most people, in fact, really, 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 really hate my guts. That's understandable. Uh, in fact, maybe it's even desirable, you know, leader, you know, every now and then his followers have to hate him because he's, he's, he's implementing the discipline. But in actual most people hate uh, Silver Mapaz because they've lost their jobs and uh, there doesn't seem to be any solution to this crisis that he has created. Um, you know, pretending to be a president, pretending to be a government. Why did you implement this lockdown in such a manner, in, in, uh, in a manner that is suited to European um, conditions instead of South African conditions? Because the United Nations told me to do so. No, I'm sorry, that's not what a president says. The president doesn't say things like that. A president gets things implemented, you know, and then he goes to find out uh, how the implementation plan is working. You know, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, sat on top of the constitutional committee that drew up our constitution, and he drew up the constitution on time, on deadline. You know, why doesn't Sir Ramaphosa use some of those skills and smarts that he, he got in that process, you know, while he's president of the country? Uh, the Constitutional Committee uh, would say, okay, right, we've got these various difficulties to work through. Uh, we've got opposing uh, forces on either side. What we want all of you different working groups to work out is uh, a map uh, a roadmap going forward and uh, implementation plans and implementation dates. And uh, then we want report backs to find out how you are faring regarding the implementation of your plans by the implementation dates. By sticking to that, by ensuring that log jams were removed whenever they came out like a major sticking point, you know, they would work out a way to overcome that sticking point. It was, it was truly amazing. I don't wonder, maybe Suron Mapos wasn't really in charge of the whole process. Maybe it wasn't the hands-on guy. Maybe it was a guy, you know, like the Queen of England, you know, when the, when the photographers arrive, he goes and stands at the door and he waves. Um, because we, we, we did, we got that uh, constitution delivered on time, May 10, 2000, uh, 1996. Bing! There was our constitution. I felt so good, I was most impressed. I'd even gone and studied constitutional law just for the privilege of being able to understand what the heck the document said. Yeah, so, so if Sir Ramaphosa could do that back in the 90s, maybe it's just not a, you know, maybe it's just a shadow of his former self. But yes, as we say, Sir Ramaphosa has lost, has lost that discipline that he used to have. Because now discipline, uh, the only discipline that Sura Mapoza implements is to speak about the shiny future. Never about uh, what is happening now or how things have been implemented in the past. No. No, our government, uh, our president always speaks in airy-fairy terms, you know. Uh, he says the path of recovery will be long and difficult. But it needs to start now. He says this isn't the time to despair, but now it's the time to act. He says that social partners need to speed up the pace of implementation to rebuild the base of our economy. We need to now pursue new sources of growth within a fundamentally different context.
In the coming weeks, he says, the government will finalize an economic recovery program. You see, we're always, we're going to be doing something in the future. Always saying something now. Always kicking the can down the road. Always pretending. Pretend, pretend, pretend. I wonder if Sir Ramaphosa really exists. Maybe he's a bit like that, um, that 1980s guy, Max Headroom. Please let me sleep. Um, he's like a, he's a computer-generated image. I've, I've, I've never actually met the man. I've never met Sula Ramaphosa. Met some of the uh, some of the greats of the previous generation, but I've never actually met Sula Ramaphosa. I can't tell you personally if the guy in actual fact really does exist. I really question whether he actually lives in the country. Um, maybe they've got like a ghost writer writing his stuff who lives in Iceland or something. Completely out of touch with what's going on in South Africa. That would explain some of his presidential letters, his unpresidential presidential letters from the presidency. So anyway, uh, today uh, he rolled out a another. He he rolled out a. Um, a major spending plan, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show. But basically all it is is um, promises and plans to get into infrastructure spending that we've heard many times over over the last five or seven years or so. You know, we're going to build this thing, we're going to build that thing, we're going to, like, you know, we've got a whole lot of projects and things. Yeah, you see, we've got specific projects, specific projects. We're going to implement and spend. When are you going to do it? In the future sometime. Hmm? No, 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 no rigorousness like we saw when he was head of the Constitutional Committee. So anyway, fortunately for us, gold is, is like shooting, shooting the lights out. Had a, had a, um, a record this morning, $1,933 of finance this morning, the highest uh, gold price ever in the history of mankind. And the Anglo Gold, as Shanti also said this morning, and like many uh, gold producers, their share prices have shot through the ceiling, uh, giving an unbalanced uh, effect on the JSC, while many other companies are still in lockdown or facing shutdown permanently. Uh, on the JSE, the uh, NASPAS uh, and uh, the gold producers are giving it a lift, but uh, it hides, it hides a lot of pain, I must say. Um, Liberty, two degrees, which owns a lot of malls like Santon City, Eastgate and Melrose Arch, uh, said this morning that foot count at its centers is still only at 55% compared to last year. <coughs> well, anyway... Uh, Tito Mbwani, I think he's a bit like a, 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 he is the ANC's Judas goat, you know. Uh, a bit like Sil Ramaphosa used to be the Judas goat. What is a Judas goat? Well, you know, uh, at abattoirs, uh, when animals come off the truck, you know, they know that they're stepping into trouble. They can smell blood in the air. They can hear the screams of animals inside the abattoir. Uh, and they can tell there's just like a horrible, horrible kind of feeling around around the whole abattoir. I know these things because, you see, I grew up in Springs, and I went to a school called Pine Grove in Standard 1 and 2, and we used to have to go and do our, our soccer practices at the Pan Brink Stadium, which was right next to the Springs Abattoir. 
So, um, I don't know, maybe it was like, that's how apartheid used to try and make its youngsters tough, you know. You know, we go and have to, like, play soccer there, the young tender years. The years ringing to the sounds of screaming cows. If you've ever heard a cow scream, it's amazing how loud a cow can scream. Um, you know, we'd be playing our soccer to this screams <laughs> it was a very bizarre way to uh, learn soccer I, I, I think it maybe explains why I've never really I really love playing soccer I still do love playing soccer but I've never been able to follow soccer maybe that explains why maybe it's because you know here in South Africa we've got like this like Manchester United Liverpool British football and I've never been interested in watching British football even during apartheid, I wasn't interested in watching. But even when I was in Standard 3, I can remember. Well, anyway, yeah. So, abattoirs, you know, the animals coming with the truck, they, uh, you know, they know that this is a very horrible place we're stepping into. It's very dangerous. I don't want to get off this truck. And the animals don't want to get off the truck. They don't want to move into the abattoir, you know, and it can be very, very dangerous. You know, cows, when they start bolting, um, they, they they can kill you with just a squeeze against the wall. So, uh, you know, in order to prevent that, in order to make it easier to get the cows to come off or to get the goats or the sheep or the pigs or whatever it is, you know, you have Judas goats, you have Judas cows and so on. They have a Judas goat, a goat that is very well fed and it's petted and, and looked after at the abattoir. So this little goat, like, you know, gets used to the sound of the screams and the blood and everything and lives a happy little life. And when a truckload of goats arrives at the abattoir, oh, the goats are standing there at the, at the entrance to that passageway leading into the abattoir and they don't want to go there. And suddenly, tick, 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 trotting up the corridor comes this little Judas goat. Meh, Oh, and all the other goats say, oh, no, there's a goat. We'll follow that one. And then they follow it off into the dark interior, never ever to return, except in little cans, you know. So, um, yeah, Tietum Bawani, I think, is uh, the ANC's Judas goat. People are becoming increasingly concerned that our country is falling apart in front of us. And uh, we need some kind of reassurances, you know, because of... President uh, Soro kick the can Ramaphosa is becoming increasingly unreliable, you know, in terms of public confidence. So we need somebody, you know, who's um, in exile, sort of semi-permanent exile in, um, uh, what's the name of that town, Kizani, uh, up there, up there where the Rain Queen lives. That's where uh, Tito spends his weekends. He goes and visits his mother, and that's a very good thing. Tito when you should try and build on that. Build on your family ties. Come on, go and build the clan instead of the nuclear family in South Africa. Instead of destroying the clan with your banking and financial um, financial measures, try and build the clan and start a family-based company, a new tour sort of company. And so on. anyway, we won't go into that. Tito Mawene is also, we will not allow this. We will not allow that. We will hold them accountable. This is only, oh, we won't. We won't. Oh, no, 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 no. But in actual fact, we all know that Nkuzazana Laminizum is a real doctor, no, in the ANC. And he is just too nice and affable, you know, to say no to his comrades, his light-fingered comrades.
you know, and he's uh, he tweeted at the weekend, you know, after this news about the corruption in the in the hospitals in Gauteng came out with the MEC involved and everything. He see he tweeted the wrongs being done by unscrupulous thieves must be dealt with decisively. It is time that leadership led without fear, favor, or prejudice. Watch the space. Watch the space. He asked, what kind of people are these criminals? What's the space? Which space? Outer space? You're stargazing. He's trying to distract us, I tell you. No, 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 we know that he means what's this space, meaning that this space that I stand on, I will be held accountable. I will stop these people. Well, we do remember in your budget last year, Mr. Mbaweni, yes, there are unfortunately some people uh, who actually go to the bother of remembering these things. You know, we, we, we're not all pretending to be journalists. And yeah, there are some people who remember your budget speech last year. In that budget speech, you said that, yeah, we are going to uh, give bailouts to state-owned enterprises, but they're not going to be without conditions. No, we're going to have implementation plans. You know, all of those things that Sul Ramaphosa used to do while he was the head of the Constitutional Committee. You know, we're going to have strike dates. We're going to have implementation tables and roadmaps, and you're going to have to implement these things. And you're going to have people from Treasury looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're managing your state-owned enterprise properly and that things have been done properly, there's not going to be any easy money. And straight away, Eskom switched the lights off and said, we want some money. And when you like, counting out all of those rands and making sure that his signature isn't on it. Some of the old rand notes, you know, he used to get really guilty about handing out to his comrades. But nowadays, that's Lesetia Kanyago's name is on the thing, so it feels a lot better about it, you know. So a lot of work, you know, to signing your name onto every single blooming hundred rand note that came in front of you. So glad he doesn't have to do that anymore. Um, yeah. So anyway, Tito says, watch the space. So I think, you know, we're actually going to see more evidence of the South African government combating corruption by raising our eyes into outer space and hoping to see some kind of like flicker of meaning in the far distant Milky Way. Then we're going to see if we watch T. Timberwene acting as um, Superman against corruption. Because I'm afraid, uh, you know, Medito has proven himself far too friendly, far too affable and far too soft to be able to be the kind of guy who's going to stand up against corruption. Okay, well, we've got to go for a quick emotional break because it's the top of the half hour. You are listening to Merkaz Sahaba, the voice of Al-Sunnah. alaikum. 4.32 is the time on a lovely Monday afternoon. Well, South Africa's presidency, there's a news report coming out this morning from Bloomberg. South Africa's president says it designated the country's priority infrastructure projects, paving the way for the beginning of private investment in a 2.3 trillion rand program over the next decade. How about that, Adamin? And there you were just saying, like, not two minutes ago, that President Sul Ramaphosa isn't uh, president for implementation and he's just pretending. How about there? 2.3 trillion rands worth of infrastructure investment projects has been outlined by Mr. Implementation himself, Sul Ramaphosa. 
What's your complaints about? Well, let's just go and dig a little bit deeper into the story, shall we? The Presidential Infrastructure Coordination Commission Council. You know, South Africa's renaming commission really needs a new name, as well as to come up with a few new members, I think. Anyway, the Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Commission Council issued a list of projects ranging from key water supply and irrigation developments to energy roads, housing and fish farming plans. While to date most infrastructure has been funded by the state, the country is now settled with debt and coronavirus outbreak has limited the amount of money available. The government is now seeking funds from development finance institutions, multilateral institutions and private pension funds. Yes. That's what it's all about, you know. They don't worry about the projects. They just want to get their their hands onto your pension money. Well, you know, if I did have a, a retirement fund, if I did have a pension fund, I would go and cash it in right now. I don't know what I'd invested in. It's very difficult to decide um, what's going to be reliable. The only reliable thing I tell you what they can invest in today is family. Everything else is going to disappear in a puff of smoke, I reckon, within a a few months or a few years. Uh, The the announcement is the first step in getting the drive announced by Ramaphosa last month going. Ah, well, it's the first step in getting it going. That's nice to know. In actual fact, that's not really true. In total, 276 projects. How about that, Alameen? 276 projects, and you say the president is just a kick in the can down the road kind of guy. 276 projects. You can't argue against that. Just wait, just wait. 276 projects have been earmarked for potential development. Still, says Bloomberg, many of the projects have been planned for years. In other words, it's just uh, cold soup being uh, served up as um, biryani. Uh, We know the difference between soup and biryani. This is cold soup. Uh, the gazetting of the list is welcome, says Peter Atard Montalto. The gazetting of the list is welcome, but seems to lack any detail at all. And we still await a policy statement. It's unclear how the uh, projects can be invested in, he said. You know, you're going to need a, a, a lot more, you know, President Solomaposa. So he's probably just saying, uh, you know, we'll try and persuade the people to do so, to do so, to do so. And then we are going to force them to invest their pension money in it. Ha, 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 ha. Wonderful. Isn't it great? It's a, it's a great pension fund ripoff. Yes. And it's been led by Cyril Ramaphosa. Anyway, enough of poor, sorry, sad Cyril. Let's move on to gold, because gold is undoubtedly the uh, story of the day, unless, of course, it's the IMF busy negotiating terms with the government as to a uh, 4.3 uh, billion rand loan. It's supposed to pay for a lot of the uh, the projects that are now supposedly um, being rolled out by the government. But anyway, so we, because we're not going to hear anything out of that, but probably until much later this evening, we're going to focus on gold. Gold's unrelenting march higher shows no sign of slowing after a plunge in the dollar swept prices past the previous high set in 2011 and put the track uh, put the metal on track for even bigger gains. Bullion surge came as the gauge of the U.S. currency sank to the lowest in more than a year the latest in a long line of bullish factors, including negative real rates in the U.S. and bets the Federal Reserve will keep policy accommodative when it meets this week that are pushing prices ever higher. In other words, you know, it used to be that stimulus would uh, get the currency to increase in value. Now stimulus is in actual fact doing what it's supposed to do, get the currency to decrease in value. Now I'm wondering about the, the, the dollar starting to fall. 
Is this just the natural pull of gravity? After so many years of hot air, eventually now gravity is starting to assert itself. So many years of funny money. Uh, I mean, you know, it had to fall down to ground sometime or other, you know. The hard realities are starting to bite. Is that what we're seeing? Or is the United States now on a policy of a weaker dollar in order to try and undercut uh, Chinese competitiveness? People are saying that China's economy is going to match the size of America's GDP dollar for dollar much, much sooner rather than later because China is now on, has regained its growth and America looks as though it's going to continue shrinking. So how that one's going to turn out remains to be seen, but it is it is possible that the U.S. Fed and the White House are not starting to talk off the same book. With the world facing an extended period of unprecedented economic and political turmoil, gold's now got $2,000 in its sights. Some in the market suggest the haven could rise even beyond that. As we said earlier in the show, Bank of America is predicting $3,000. Nascent signs of gold record-breaking ascent began to show in mid-2019. Remember, we spoke about with Mark Mobius, um, the um, former head of uh, former chief economist for Templeton Asset Management, no link. But we did say that, yeah, Mark Mobius has made a very good call today. I think if you want to buy gold, now is a good time to buy it because it was, around, it was below 1,300 in those days. Nascent signs of gold's record-breaking ascent began to show last year when the Fed signaled the readiness to cut interest rates as uncertainty, primarily about the impact of the U.S.'s trade battles, clouded its outlook. The rally gathered pace in early 2020 as geopolitical tensions rose and the coronavirus outbreak hurt growth worldwide, pushing governments and central banks to unleash vast amounts of stimulus and sending real interest rates slumping to further into negative territory. Strong gains are inevitable as we enter a period much like the post-GFC environment, that's global financial crisis environment, where gold prices soar to record levels as a result of copious amounts of Fed money being pumped into the financial system, said Gavin Went, senior resource analyst at MineLife. A weak dollar negative real rates are providing further impetus. Gold may consolidate before setting its sights on 2,000 and above incoming weeks, he said. Investment demand has been unrelenting. Holdings in gold-backed exchange-traded funds have beaten all-time highs nearly every month since late last year, and inflows this year have topped the record annual total set in 2009. So that's in just half a year. In addition, make the, the additions make up roughly one-fifth of expected mine supply for the year, according to research group Metals Focus. Gold will enjoy in investors even as equities climbed, with the exception of a sharp, in, sharp sell-off in March as traders liquidated bullion holdings to cover losses in other markets. And I did call that at the time, and I said that's exactly what's happening. Oh, keep quiet, Alamin. Stop blowing your own trumpet. And it's U.S. bonds that have been the key metric to watch. The metal is serving as an attractive hedge as yields on treasuries that strip out the effects of inflation fall below zero. The environment has even raised the specter of stagflation, a rare combination of sluggish growth and rising inflation that erodes the value of fixed income investments. The U.S. investor expectations for annual inflation of the next decade, as measured by a band metric known as break-evens, has moved higher the past four months after plunging in March. Inflation also 
plays an important role in looking at prices in the historical context. Spot gold traded as high as 1944 on Monday, topping its previous record by more than $20. But when adjusted for inflation, bullion remains lower than its 2011 high and far below the historic peak in 1980 in the wake of the second oil price shock. So in other words, the gold bulls are trying to mutter to the market. There's a lot of upside here. The price is going to go a lot higher. Buy it now, buy it now. But then that's what they're always saying. Uh, It's not just price moves that are proving historic. The virus shined a spotlight on its traditionally overlooked corner of the market, logistics. A chaotic period in March saw extreme distortion between London and New York prices due to an unprecedented unprecedented snarl in the movement of physical metal, with the grounding of flights and refineries shut down, sparking concerns about a shortage of bullion available in New York in time to deliver against COMEX futures. That crisis eased. There was enough of gold. But the dislocation prompted the CME Group, that's the Chicago Metals Exchange Group, which owns COMEX, to announce that it would offer a new futures contract with expanded delivery options that included 400-ounce bars, which is the size accepted in London. It later said that traders will be able to deliver gold in London vaults against the new contract. Next up for investors and a possible fillip for gold is this week's Fed meeting, where officials are expected to keep interest rates near zero and debate a possible shift in its strategy. The meeting may be a platform for a strong message that change is coming opening up the possibility for more unconventional policies further down the line. In other words, more printing of money and pretending that it's something else. According to Chris Weston, head of research at Pepperstone Group in Melbourne, if we think about real yields and what the Fed is doing, it just suggests to me, he says, that it's a matter of time before real yields continue to trend lower and gold goes higher. In other words, we're going to meet a tipping point in uh, credulity. Are people going to lose complete faith in the dollar? And will that faith ever come back again if it does go? The Fed's path will be closely watched. From December 2008 to June 2011, the Fed bought $2.3 trillion of debt and held borrowing costs near 0% in a bid to shore up growth, helping send billion to a record in September 2011. Since then, they've taken on a heck of a lot more debt. Forecasts of further gains have been building even before gold's most recent breakthrough. Goldman Sachs said the metal would reach 2000 in the next 12 months. Citigroup puts a 30% probability on prices topping that level by the end of this year. Bank of America has struck has stuck to its April forecast for $3,000 gold over the next 18 months. You simply couldn't pick a more perfect storm of events which would allow for gold to perform, said Steve Dunn, head of the ETFs at Aberdeen Standard Investments. With low interest rate policies, negative real rate, super accommodative monetary policy, huge amounts of global fiscal spending, a weaker dollar, escalating U.S.-China tensions, and no clear end in sight for the coronavirus pandemic, all of the parts of the equation are coming together. Uh, please excuse these. Um, every now and then you'll just hear a little bit of a silence just for about three seconds. That's me um, sneezing or coughing in the corner here. Boy, we're going to have to put these um, air conditioning on full ball before someone else can come in and take over. Well, now, you know, it's easy to forget now, but there was a time early on in the pandemic when the price of gold was in free fall. And that was when um, people were having to sell their gold holdings in order to cover 
their losses at the start of the pandemic. Uh, according to Bloomberg, it was a curious thing. What with the prior of the virus sparking a collapse in the global economy, and it would prove in time to be one of the great head fakes in the recent history of financial markets. For the pandemic of 2020 would soon, soon show itself to be the driving force behind some of the most ferocious rallies the gold market has ever seen. At the close of trading in New York on Friday, bullion had spiraled to $1,902 an ounce, some 30% higher than the low it hit in March and just 1% of a record high set back in 2011. The virus has unleashed a torrent of forces that are conspiring to fuel relentless demand for the perceived safety from turmoil that gold provides. There's the fear of further government-ordered lockdowns and politicians' decision to push through unprecedented stimulus packages. You see now, it's really nice to see this now. You know, the reality is starting to dawn on, uh, you know, in America and Europe. You know, when you, when you see mainstream uh, wire services like Bloomberg or Reuters saying things that are causing fear, hmm? politicians' decision to push through unprecedented stimulus packages. You see, Bloomberg and Reuters have always sold those as being positive for the market. Now, for the first time, Bloomberg is also starting to acknowledge the force of gravity and that all things become payable, all things are due, the price will be exacted. Mm. And now, unprecedented stimulus packages are starting to increase uncertainty and fear in the market. That would indicate that that tipping point for the dollar as well as the euro could be a lot closer than many of us expect. Um, uh, yeah, okay, things that are pushing fear, okay, politicians' decision to push through unprecedented uh, stimulus packages and also adding to the fear are central bankers' decision to print money faster than ever before to finance that spending and the plunge in inflation adjusted bond yields into negative territory in the U.S. and the dollar's sudden decline against the euro and the yen. This is the one that I think maybe the United States is letting the dollar decline. And, of course, we've also got rising U.S.-China tensions as well as rising U.K.-Russia tensions and so on. All of these things, when taken together, have even triggered concern in some financial circles that stagflation, a rare combination of sluggish growth and rising inflation that erodes the value of fixed income investments, could take hold across parts of the developed world. In the U.S., where the virus is still raging and the economic recovery is stalling, this debate is growing louder. Investor the expectations for annual inflation over the next decade, as measured by a bond market metric known as break-evens, has moved higher the past four months after plunging in March. On Friday, they hit 1.5%. And while that remains below pre-pandemic levels and below the Federal Reserve's own 2% target, it is almost a full percentage point higher than the 0.59% yield that benchmark 10-year Treasury bonds pay. The main driver behind gold's latest rally has been real rates that continue to plummet and don't show signs of easing anytime soon. Edward Moyer, senior market analyst at Oana Corporation, said by phone. Gold is also drawing investors' concerns that stagflation will win out and will likely warrant even further accommodation from the U.S. 
from the Fed. U.S. bond markets have been a driving force behind the rush to gold, which is serving as an attractive hedge as yields on treasuries that strip out the effects of inflation fall below zero. Investors are looking for safe havens that won't lose value. The mania for gold right now has trickled down to Main Street. Retail investors have helped put ETF holdings backed by gold on track for an 18th straight weekly gain. The strongest, the longest streak, the strongest leak, uh, the longest streak since 2006. Meanwhile, gold posted its seventh weekly gain Friday, and analysts don't expect the increases to end anytime soon. Let's go and have a quick look quickly at what the gold price is doing. Maybe it's done something interesting in the meantime. Uh, but last I looked, it was uh, still around uh, about, uh, uh, I think it was the 1930s. Um, a thousand nine hundred and forty-four rand uh, dollars, <laughs> rands. Thousand nine hundred and forty-four dollars and going up all the time. That's uh, from ShareNet. The uh, spot price at the moment. In fact, that's fifteen-minute delay on the price. But yeah. $1,944. When interest rates are zero or near zero, then gold is an attractive medium to have because you don't have to worry about not getting interest on your gold, Mark Mobius, who we spoke about earlier, uh, told Bloomberg. I would be buying now and continue to buy, he said. Analysts have been predicting huge upside for gold for several months. In April, Bank of America raised its 18-month gold price target to $3,000 an ounce. Uh, According to Francisco Blanche of the Bank of America, Head of Commodities and Derivatives, he says the global pandemic is providing a sustained boost to gold, citing impacts including falling real rates, growing inequality and declining productivity. Moreover, as China's GDP quickly converges to U.S. levels, helped by the widening gap in COVID-19 cases, a tectonic geopolitical shift could unfold further supporting the case for our 3,000 target over the next 18 months. You know, reading between all of that, uh, it's in actual fact uh, China's GDP um, uh, uh, reaching equilibrium with the United States, becoming the same size as the United States, dollar for dollar, you know, the real measure. That has Bank of America put in that 3,000 target. That means that they expect to see it sometime this year. Hmm. I wonder is Bank of America not telling us and the rest of the world about real growth rates in South Africa instead of propaganda coming out of the Fed? Bank of America's bold prediction was made after gold prices initially dropped in March as investors sought cash to cover losses on risky assets. So so that was a very, very bold prediction, I must say. You know, I wasn't willing to say $3,000. But Bank of America, that has to put their money where their mouths are, actually said $3,000 in March when the price dropped. Um, that was when I said, yeah, it's um, people selling out uh, in order to cover their losses because people make a, a huge amount of losses on the, on, the, on the stock market. Stock markets started falling through the floor as, as lockdowns and COVID-19 arrived. And uh, that meant that uh, a whole lot of people had to sell off a whole lot of stuff. That was also the time. That was also the time of the uh, Salman bin Saud thing. I can't remember that guy's name. Um, the, 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 the murderer who's, uh, who apparently is going to be the next, um, the, 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 the next protector of the Haramein. Yeah, that murderer. Yeah, I remember Jamal Khashoggi.
Yeah, yeah, that guy. He uh, he started pumping. He said we're going to increase oil, the oil price. The oil price started shooting through the roof. And so I pointed out that, uh, you know, this is the kind of change, market change that hurts billionaires rather than you and me and ordinary millionaires. Because, you see, gold and oil, uh, um, oil is the most, by volume, is the most traded commodity anywhere in the world. So it's, it's a vital part of any portfolio. And because the gold price is usually like sort of fairly steady-ish, you know, you can kind of like you know, fairly safely make predictions about the gold price over six months and so on. Uh, but suddenly the gold price fell down to minus $37. Remember that? And people were hurting all over the place. And not just ordinary people like you and me, the billionaire people, the 0.0001%. They were hurting. They were hurting. I said, it's not going to be long before someone's going to get a call from the White House to change all of that. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, but anyway, uh, we said that uh, given uh, the worries about the coronavirus, given the worries about oil, uh, that means that gold should be going up and instead it's going down. And that can only be happening because the billionaires have had to sell off a whole lot of stocks uh, in or uh, had, to, had to sell gold in order to cover their losses in uh, equities and oil. That's why the gold price is going down. Uh, I said on my show that that is probably a buying opportunity. You should take advantage of it if you are going to be buying gold. Of course, buying gold is also a question all in itself. Because, you see, you have to... Excuse me, please. Um, yeah, you have to uh, you have to find a safe place to keep it, you know. And uh, you know, if you want to transport it and take it places, well, in actual fact, that's when it becomes really useful because you know you can keep like you know gold coins and you know you get all these different size uh, bars and so on. Uh, yeah, it can be very useful. All of it tax free and, and none of it. Uh, you know, they can't tell when you're using gold to pay for something unless you you've got an electronic transcript of the uh, of the payment. Anyway, um, so uh, Bank of America's bold prediction was made after gold prices gold prices dropped in March. So as I say, that was a very 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 brave time to make that kind of call, and the Bank of America is still sticking with it. That means Bank of America, as far as I can tell, has made uh, has made a call on the rates of decline of the American economy, and uh, they've made a call on the rate of recovery of the Chinese economy, and the fact that they're still sticking to that 3000 price by the end of next year means that they believe that their takes on the U.S. economy and the Chinese economy remain intact. So... Yeah, that means we're in for very, very interesting times. And, you know, that really does explain Donald Trump's, like, you know, turn around. He's, like, really turning on China nowadays, isn't he? Hmm? The UK turning on Russia. They can see, they can see that the time is coming when the United States is not going to be the indispensable nation. Imagine if China suddenly starts saying that it is the indispensable nation. Oh, boy. Let's just hope that the Chinese don't turn out to be like the Americans. But you know that saying, better the devil you know than you don't know. Oh, well, 
The Chinese have been far less rapacious than the Americans, I must say. They've been restrained in terms of military interventions and so on. They haven't murdered a million Muslims lately. And uh, they, 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 this is why I actually look forward to, to China, like, you know, uh, knocking the United States off its pedestal. It's going to be a really interesting day if it ever does arrive. But it would seem, according to Bank of America, that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Okay, this isn't the first time gold has gotten help from central bank stimulus programs. From December 2008 to June 2011, the Fed brought $2.3 trillion worth of debt uh, and held borrowing costs near zero in a bit to shore up growth. That sent bullion to a record of 1921 in September 2011. Uh, but stimulus continued. So why didn't uh, gold continue rising? Yeah, you know, very little interesting question. Don't ask those kind of interesting questions. You're going to end up confused and in a madhouse. The crisis a decade ago was all about banks, said Afshin Nabari, head of trading at Swiss refiner MKS Pump. He says, uh, to be honest, I do not see the end of the tunnel. He said, at least until U.S. elections in November. In other words, he sees price continue, uh, the gold continuing to rise. Well, here's old Elon Musk, uh, the billionaire, South African billionaire genius from Pretoria. He's now getting to bed with Nazi Dan and Gertler. Ah, well, there you go, I suppose. That's the cousins acting typically, I suppose. Elon Musk showing his white South African credentials there, I suppose. According to news coming out today, Elon Musk may help sanctioned Israeli Nazi billionaire Dan Gertler get a little richer. Tesla, the company Musk runs, struck a deal last month with Glencore to buy as much as 6,000 tons of cobalt annually for use in the rechargeable batteries that power its electric vehicles. Glencore, in turn, is obligated to pay Gertler about 2.5% of sales from its mines in the Democratic Republic of Congo, royalty rights he acquired from state-owned miner Gekka Mines. What makes the arrangement eye-catching is that Gertler has been blacklisted from the U.S. financial system since December 2017. Now he stands to indirectly benefit from an American company's payments, if only by a few million dollars a year, since most of the cobalt Tesla is buying will come from Glencore's Congolese mines, according to people familiar with the matter. Tesla has said it aims to eliminate cobalt from its batteries to reduce costs. That would also remove reputational hazards associated with sourcing minerals from Congo, including human rights challenges posed by artisanal mining, which provides income for millions, but where fatalities and child labor are common. Well, I'm afraid, you know, we're going to have to leave Elon Musk hanging on the hook until tomorrow when we shall return and dismember him. Yes, indeed. It has come to the end of the show. We're not ending the show right now. We're going to be going across for the five o'clock news. Uh, after that, I'll be doing a Zika program. Uh, as my Hanka has taught me, it's uh, the days of Eid, and it's coming up from Maghrib, and that means it's the best time to make Zika. You are listening to Marikas Sahaba, the voice of well, uh, inshallah, I've committed myself to doing a, a short uh, zikr program towards the end of the show, up until the Maghrib Azan. Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi said, now is the best time to make zikr. Now is the best time to make zikr, as the angels are changing their shifts. 
The zikr I'm doing is about a tasbih, as uh, taught to me by uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Mir, rahmatullah alayhi, and uh, by his son, uh, Sheikh Isaac, um, of the Chistia uh, Silsila. Lay 
in the law, lie law, 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 in the law, Muhammad Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Rabbi salli wa sallim daiman abadan Ala habibika khayril khalqi kulimi In Allah, 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 in the law, 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 in the
یا ربی صلی و سلم دایمان بدم اله حبیبی که خیری خوگی گولی می Hello, 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 hello,
Well, Jazakumla for joining us. Yes, it's come to that sad part of the show where the sun is dipping towards the horizon. Darkness is starting to spread across the earth. The cool night has arrived. Now let us make this night a blessed night, this night of Eid, a blessed night of Eid. O oh Allah, have mercy on the Ummah of Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O oh Allah, guide us to the best of deeds and morals as none can guide except Thee, and save us from bad deeds, O oh Allah, as none can save us from what is bad except Thee. O oh Allah, we beseech Thee to bless us with our love and the love of those who love Thee, and love for every action that will bring us closer to Thee. Jazakumullah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trade and activity you get up to today is profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.